But I had a message during, my week, uh, during this week about navigating these times, about living for Jesus in these times. Amen? So, Lord, we want to thank you. What was that? Scary up there, on top of the rock. Don't move. Don't move. Lord, we want to thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We want to thank you that you are Lord and you are King. And we bless you today. We bless you. We thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the word of truth and we thank you for the spirit of truth. And we thank you that they collide and you do a work in our lives. And so, God, we just come wholly abandoned to you. God, that we would be worshippers, that we would be warriors, and that we would be kingdom people in this place. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Thursday a week ago, it's, a, it's advanced group again this week. For those that are part of that on the Thursday night, we're at Tom and Leaders again. That's always a blast. Last time we had um, Mark Crawford zoom in, and he's just, he, he was talking about being confident in the Lord, and that's kind of stayed with me ever since. Being confident in the Lord, being confident. You know, because there are things that happen and, um, you know, and they can shake us if we're not confident. And so God is wanting to build a confidence in us. And that thought, I'm confident or I am convinced, has kind of hung with me for the last um, week and a half since then. And, you know, there are many things that I'm convinced of. And I, I guess every single one of us here today would probably have things that we were convinced of. And obviously I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about things of the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about you know, cars or automobiles or whatever else. But I'm convinced of many things. And today I just wanted to just, just put my little toe in a little bit into something that the Lord has been uh, putting on my heart about navigating these times that we live in. And I'm not just talking about this time, like today, or what's been happening in the last year or two. I'm talking about going forward from here, navigating these times as men and women of God. Amen? Sons and, sons and daughters. So I want to speak about that today. You know, because isn't it interesting over the last couple of years, because of what's been happening in the world, there's been many people speaking about end times. Hands up who's um, heard someone talking to someone else about end time and end time theology and all that kind of stuff. See, every single one of us has heard someone talking about end times, all kinds of stuff. You know, it's been on people's lips, but isn't it interesting that throughout the course of history, it just happens in nearly every generation, through, through a war, through a pestilence, through something that happens, it's like, Jesus, come back tomorrow. It's going to happen tomorrow and all this kind of stuff. You know, um, it's been on many people's lips. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say. But I want to share some things today that the Lord has been showing me because there's things that I'm convinced of. And one of the things that I'm, a, that I'm convinced of, now don't stone me yet. Wait till you finish the whole, uh, wait till I finish the whole word, Okay. And then you can throw rotten tomatoes at me if you'd like. But I hope that's not the case. Anyone see that post on, on um, Facebook about the people that chucked the Gatorade over the pastor? It's like, you know, like people said, you know, like I heard that church should be like a place where it's, you know, like, you, like you're in a sporting team and you're just passionate. You're passionate for Jesus. And this little monkey comes up and says, I tried that, you know, but I... You know, like they tip the Gatorade over the coach at the end of the game when they win. He said, I tipped the Gatorade over the pastor and he didn't appreciate it. <laughs> anyway, don't even know why I got there. 
That was just a fleshly moment right there. I'm convinced because of Scripture that there's a falling away. I'm convinced in these times that we're navigating that there's a falling away, and I actually believe that we're seeing it. And I'll open that up in a minute. There's different passages of Scripture. Paul speaks to the church in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 2. And for those that have been reminding me that sometimes I speak a little fast when I get excited, I'm sorry about that. I'll try and give you the Bible verses so you can go away and read them. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 3 says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and, and our being gathered unto Him. Amazing, imagine being on the earth in that moment when you're gathered to Him. There would be no fear of heights anymore. So like if you've got a fear of heights, there won't even be that because you're being gathered up to Him. Amen? So exciting. We ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily upset or troubled, either by prophecy or a message or by a letter supposedly from us, alleging that the day of the Lord has already come. You know, there are some people that already believe that. I'm not going to... I've spoken to people who live here in Bundaberg that believe that. That's still here. Don't, but then he says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the great falling away or the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So there's a, there's a great falling away. Jesus, Jesus in Luke 18 verse 8 put it this way. He said, you know, when the Son of Man comes, will, will he find faith on the earth? All that is, will he find many of faith? Will he find great faith? What kind of faith will Jesus, um, you know, uh, receive when he's on, uh, when he returns. And then Peter puts it this way in 2 Peter 3, verses 1 to 4. It says, Dear friends, this is now the second letter I've written to you. I want you to, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by the way of reminding you, so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Saviour given uh, through your apostles. Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires, saying, where is his coming that he promised? Even since our ancestors fell asleep, all these things have continued as they have been since the beginning of creation. You know, Peter's not talking to people who don't believe. He's talking to the church. And he's saying, scoffers will come in the last days. And there are many people that are in the church that are scoffing about the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much that is happening in the world around us, but there's so much that's happening in the church at this point in time. But I'm convinced that there is a great falling away. I'm going to unpack that a little bit more in a minute. But I'm also convinced through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that there's also a move of God. There's a move of God. I've, I see it this way. For too long in the church, there's been so much grey. There's been so much lukewarmness. There's been so much, you know, mixture. But what is happening through what's happening in the world and as we go forth from this place is that you won't be able to put a foot in both camps. You're either falling away or you're actually coming to. 
So in the midst of the great falling away, there's also a return. There's actually a turning and a returning, and there's a move of God. Is there an amen? It says in Acts chapter 3, we could get excited shortly, Therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. I'm in verse 19. That seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, who is appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him or retain him until the time of restoration of all things. I actually believe that has multi-layers as well, and we're not gonna, we haven't got time to unpack that all today. But I believe in the restoration of all things that God is restoring the church to what it was meant to be. God is restoring the sons and daughters of God to who we were meant to be. There is a restoration that is taking place. And Jesus is waiting that, you know, all creation, it says in Romans, is waiting, is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. There are so many believers that still don't know who they are in Christ and the authority that they carry. But I believe that there is a restoration of these things that are happening that we can be sons and daughters on this earth. And in Revelation 19, verses 7 and 8, it talks about the bride who made herself ready. And I think about a bride who makes herself ready. It says it stands for the righteous acts of the saints. But I think about a pure white dress, a garment, the way the bride makes herself ready. There is no lukewarmness. Well, there better not be lukewarmness when you're getting married. (laughs) Well, otherwise we might have to have some marriage counselling before you get married if there's lukewarmness. But, you know, your heart is beating. Yeah, there's a bit of nervous sightedness. There's a bit of fear in there because they're all a bit of anxiety because it's like you're stepping into the unknown. But there's such a love. Your heart is beating out of love. There is no place for lukewarmness. There is no place for apathy. There is no place for a complacency. And in the midst of what is happening, that is what God is doing in His church. There is no place for lukewarmness anymore. There's no place for apathy anymore. There's no place for complacency anymore. There's no place for mixture anymore. You either say, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord, or you don't. And so there is a falling away. Some of the stuff that's taught in the church or different sections of the church across our nation and the world. All I can say is God's got a lot more patience than me. Jesus is building his church, amen? Do we believe that? The gates of hell, the gates of Hades cannot prevail. They cannot prevail. And you've heard me say before, that is a defensive posture. It's not an attacking. They cannot prevail. So we are on the attack. We are taking grounds. I really believe just in creation, as you would have, some of you would have heard me say before, that just as in creation, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, I, you know, be fruitful, multiply, increase, subdue the earth, rule over it. That's who we are as restored sons and daughters in Christ. He's saying, be fruitful, multiply, increase, subdue the earth. We're not on the defense. We're actually on the attack. Jesus is building his church. We belong to a kingdom, Scripture says, that cannot be shaken in Hebrews 12. It cannot be shaken. And basically, we're carrying on the ministry of Christ until he returns. And because we, you know, 
He's created us differently. We're the body of Christ. And we all have a part to play in that. And I can't keep stressing that enough, that everyone has a part to play. We're all gifted. We're all anointed. We're all graced. And we all have a part to play. We can't, we can't, we can't just leave things to a few people. We can't just let Liz and a few others do all the prayer. We can't let May and a few others do, do all, the, all, the, all the caring. We, everyone has a part to play. We, like we can't just let Debbie and Rosaline do all the discipling. Everyone has a part to play. Everybody. But you think about the falling away. Just think about these couple of little things that came to me as I was praying. We are living in days where people call good evil and evil good. And in, and in Isaiah 5.20, let me just turn there. Isaiah 5.20, it actually says that, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's the day that we're living in. People call evil good and good evil. And if you actually make a stand for good, get ready. Whether that's on Facebook, whether that's in the workplace, but I encourage you to make a stand. We need to make a stand. We need to understand that we, even if we are like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we are not alone. The fire cannot consume us because we've already been consumed. We are in times where sections of the church have departed from the truth. And that's where I say God's got a lot more patience than me. In 2 Timothy... Chapter 4, he says this to Timothy in verse 2. He says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Rebuke. That's a hard one, isn't it? Hands up who likes getting rebuked. See, nobody does. Not rebuke from my opinion, but rebuke from the word of God. We actually should be corrected. We should be because God is so good and he wants us to walk in the fullness of what he has for us and encourage. Let's, let's, let's not forget that bit. With great patience and teaching. For the time will come, hello, when people will not tolerate sound doctrine anymore. But according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and they will turn aside to miss. Isn't that interesting? I used to think years ago that it was the pastors or the leaders or the preachers that were the the issue. But you know where it starts? It actually starts with the people of God. Because it says they will gather people to them. They will multiply people to them to hear what they want to hear. It's like you 
You don't want to hear any correction. You don't want to hear any challenge. You don't want to hear any rebuke. You, you, like you don't really want to hear. So therefore, you, you'll find a place where, where, where everything is just motivational speaking. And where is the gospel? Where is Jesus? There are, there are churches in our nation that you can walk in and out and you never even hear the name of Jesus. You can walk in and out of churches and the word of God is not preached. There is a great falling away. There are people that support, you know, um, same-sex marriages. There are, there are supposedly Christians who support abortion and all this kind of other stuff. It is a falling away from the truth. It is a falling away from the word. There's false doctrines that come in, like what I spoke about a few weeks ago, about universalism, that everyone's saved. You don't need to be born again to be saved. That is pleasing to the flesh. I don't have to be born again. Stay away from the mirror Bible. Stay away from uh, Francois de Troyes. My, my, I saw on Facebook the other day that my cousin in another state was actually quoting him. And I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? So I didn't do it on Facebook. I private messaged them. That's the best thing you can do. Don't do it on Facebook. Private message them. And I said, look, I'm really concerned that you're following this guy. Do you know what this guy really um, believes in? I won't tell you how the rest of the conversation went. But I sowed a seed. There are all kinds of theologies. There's all kinds of stuff. And I could spend the next half an hour naming several of them that I'm like, they cannot be founded in Scripture. You have to change Scripture. We shouldn't have to change Scripture. We need to stop, you know, just going, will you scratch my itch? We need to get to the truth. As Jason said a couple of weeks ago when he led communion, we need to eat all the lamb. We need to eat it all. Is there an amen? Are we excited by this? Hopefully we're going to get excited. I'm excited. Like Big Kev. Someone knows who Big Kev is? Well. I want to go into the book of Acts this morning. But before I go into the book of Acts, I want to read some more verses from Timothy. Is that okay? 2 Timothy 3. Let me just start at verse 1. Make it easy. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. Come on. Come on, hard times will come in the last days. Come on, come on. (laughs) We're excited. You know, one of the things I've noticed, one of the things I've noticed in this is that, you know, I've like as a soccer coach, I've been coaching for 20 years, over 20 years. And one thing I've noticed is that things have changed in our society, in people. The lack of resilience has just plummeted. Back, you know, you know, even 10 years ago, my soccer players were resilient. They could stand, and when the, when the opposition was coming at them, they could get on the front foot and they go, no, we are not giving you any ground. We are coming at you. But now it's just, but now it's just they came in. Now, I'm not talking about Queensland and New South Wales because I don't follow that game because it's not football. It's not. They throw the thing. 
They don't kick the ball very often, only once every six, every six tackles normally. Football is the, the real thing, you know, where it's football. Anyway, we'll move on. Hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, um, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness but denying its power. Wow. Wow. We're talking to the church here. Holding a form of godliness. Unbelievers can't hold a form of go- godliness. But we deny the power. The power of the gospel to change. The power where Jesus says, die to self, take up your cross and follow me. The power to transform lives. The power to transform situations. Addictions broken. In the name of Jesus. Sickness gone in the name of Jesus. Denying the power to see breakthrough and change. We do not want to be a people that have a form of godliness but deny the power. There are so many denominations that are kicking out the Holy Spirit. And in fact, you know, Pentecostalism in Australia is not that Pentecostal. It's more contemporary. We need to get back to Pentecostal Christianity. Is anyone with me on that? We need to see the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit operating. We need to see the freedom. We don't need to be fearful. For among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women, overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning, never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janes and Jambres resisted Moses, they also resist the truth. They are men who are corrupt in their mind and worthless in regard to their faith. But they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all. But you, follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, endurance and love, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. Yeah, you should clap that one. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. I'm not, this is a, this is my motivational preaching today, okay? Everyone who wants to live for Jesus will be persecuted. Gatorade's coming. (laughs) But evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You've got to get your anchor down. He goes on to say all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. I believe in the restoration of all these things, uh, uh, of all things. And I believe that a part of this, that God is restoring the people of God to be who we're meant to be. 
And so I want to go to the book of Acts. I've kind of focused on the, on the, the darky stuff of what is happening. Well, now I want to focus on what God is doing. Is that okay? I've spoken a little bit about what is happening in our world and what is happening in the church, you know, just as a general statement. But I want to speak about what God is doing because we want to know what God is doing. Amen? We want to understand what God is doing because when we know what God is doing, we align ourselves with Him and we walk His path for us. Amen? That's what we want. So we're going to turn to the book of Acts because this is just after where the Spirit of God was poured out. And I want you to see the response. I want you to receive the response to the, to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit because we are seeing a restoration of all things. And so we need to understand that God is restoring certain elements in the church and we need to say, okay, God, have your way. I just want to read verse 42 of chapter 2. And it says they, so it, it, we probably all know, they are the ones that heard the gospel, that repented and turned to the Lord and were baptized and gave their lives to Christ. So they, those ones, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Amen? So if I could put some other words in there. They devoted themselves... We'll bring it into today. That they devoted themselves to the Word. See, Jesus, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, amen? And the apostles carried that on. They carried on that teaching. But all Scripture is, is God-breathed. We need to be devoted to the Word of God, and we need, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the Word. Is there an Amen. You see, we have a people departing from the Word. Not just departing from what is written in the Word, but maybe not even reading the Word. Or so many people just read the Word through someone else. So you get a verse for the day from someone else. You, you, you read a devotion of someone else. And I'm not saying that reading a devotion in the morning is wrong. I'm not saying that. But if you only live off someone else's revelation, you are actually not devoted to the Word. You actually need to get into the Word for yourself. You actually need to, to allow the Holy Spirit to work through the Word to speak to you into your life and your circumstances. Is there an amen? So rather than people departing from the Word, we need to be a people that stand on the Word. And we need to stand on the Word together because there is strength in numbers. I remember, and I, I said this a few weeks ago, I can't remember when, but I remember Guy, because Guy used to play rugby union. What? What? Is that even a sport? Like, I, I just call it stacks on the mill. You know that game used to play in the schoolyard where someone was down and everyone used to just stack on the... We, just, we called it stacks on the mill, like just jumping on, on top of each other. Isn't that what they do in rugby union? They just jump on top of each other. And then they stomp each other with their stops and they get stops in their head. Anyway, Guy was saying that when the opposition was trying to push you back towards the line, the only way that you could resist that was to actually, actually tuck in harder, lock in harder with each other. It's the only way that you could resist the opposition was to lock in. That's where the strength is when you lock in. 
And it's the same. We need, we need to stand upon the Word. We need to have each other's backs. We need to encourage each other in the Word of God. We need to do this together, not just let one or two be that for us. Amen? So they divided themselves to the Word. The second thing was that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And it's interesting because in Timothy, um, Paul writes to Timothy and says, in the last days, people will, will be lovers of self. That is the opposite to what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured down. They were not lovers of self anymore. They were obviously lovers of Christ, but, but they gave themselves to one another. So what is happening and what has been happening in the church over time is that there has been a tend um, of a falling away from the one another's to the self. And, the, and we become lovers of self and we... We love to sing the me songs. We love to sing the I songs. You know, we love to come into a place and then we walk out and go, well, I didn't get really much out of that today. Well, it was never about you. It's never about me. It's about Jesus. And it's what, what, what can I bring? What can I give to my brother or sister in Christ? It's not what can I get out. We shouldn't come with an expectation of what I can get out. It's what I can give because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But I can assure you this, that if you come with that mentality, you will also receive. So we, God is saying, enough of the self, come back to me and come back to one another. Because that is the essence of the gospel. God is... When it comes to the Word, God is creating a, a backbone in people that are willing to stand upon His Word no matter what. When someone came to me and said, would you marry me? I had to say no. I said, because the Word of God says, a man will leave his mother and father and be cleft to his wife, and the two shall become one. I can't marry two men. I can't marry two women. You have to stand upon the word. Is there an amen? I'm feeling rather alone right now. He's creating a backbone in his people. Instead of just, take, just giving ground, oh, it's okay, you can have another slice of the cake. Oh, you can have another slice of the cake. Oh, you can have another slice of the cake. And before we know it, the cake's all gone. It's like, no, we are going to make a stand. I am tired of the enemy taking away things that are scriptural. There is, the rainbow has seven colors in it. Seven is perfect. Seven is completion. I don't know whether you realize, but our logo is actually the seven colors of the rainbow. That is there for a purpose because we are reclaiming the rainbow for God and for his promises and his purposes. The other rainbows only has six colors, which talks about man and the flesh. But it's seven. We're going to reclaim, you know, that. Why, why on earth do we have to give up on, on, you know, like names like joy? Why do we have to not, you know, talk about such words anymore just because it's going to offend someone or someone else has taken it the wrong way? No, no, we need to be people that will stand and we stand on the word of God. Is there Amen. And in the same way, when we talk about fellowship, God is moving in his people and he's, and, he's, and he's getting rid of the independent spirit where we are lovers of self. He's getting rid of that 
And if you don't understand this, you're going to understand it in the years coming forth. So my suggestion is get prepared now. Start being more reliant on each other now. Start being more connected with each other now because you're going to need each other. You know, we've got a heap of bananas off our banana tree that are just down the back. We had like our first crop of bananas, like 140, 50 bananas just off one bunch. Well, so we thought, well, we'll we'll bring some down the back and some other people can have them. Max does it all the time. He brings in produce. Karen and Ivan, other people bring in produce to share. That That is part of fellowship. That is part of one another. The early church was not just a group of people that said on a Sunday, how you going, Jace? See you next week, bro. No. There was no self. There was no lovers of self. It was about fellowship. It was about one another. Man, they even sold possessions and goods and gave to each other who had need. I, you know, we, we're kind of nearly there. There are people that don't have a home. The homeless now is not people who, who don't want a home. The homeless is now people who want a home. People who have got a full-time job and they've got nowhere to live. We're actually kind of getting there. Are we willing to put a tiny house in our backyard and let someone live there? Come on. Just when you think about when you just just go home and read the first four chapters of the book of Acts again. When you read it and you see what they did for each other, they're probably going to be a little bit of a in there. Like, that's going to make me uncomfortable. Like, that's just getting me like, what? I have to help somebody? Like, what? Because the world, the world says to us, it's all about you. It's your feelings, your wants, your needs. You, 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 you. It's all aimed at you. But the kingdom of God flips that on its head. So God is wanting to say, who is ready to actually be my people seven days a week? There are some things that have to be worked out in there because Scripture interprets Scripture. We need to, we're not just condoning certain behaviours. We're not just allowing certain patterns to remain because we need to correct We need to help. We need to support. We need to do these things. But we clearly see in Scripture that the fellowship that they experienced was nothing like the church in our nation experiences today. The breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. It's not the breaking of bread, because it goes on to say later in verse, what is it, 45, 46, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This is the breaking of bread. This is the do this in remembrance of me. They devoted themselves to the do this in remembrance of me. That is, Jesus was always front and center. They never, ever, ever forgot what Jesus did for them. And yet, it also says in Scripture that in the last days, the spirit of Antichrist will come. It's, it, it starts subtly by pushing Jesus out of the way a little bit. 
Oh, we want a charismatic figure. We want an influencer. We want a motivational speaker. We want to sing songs that don't offend anyone. We'll even just sing songs that just say God. You know, God can be many things to many people. I think we need to sing the name of Jesus. I think we need to speak the name of Jesus. There's a song about that. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. I think we sing a reasonable amount of Jesus songs. Maybe we need more. You see, they suddenly want to push Jesus over to the side. Because then it'll be about you again. It'll be about self-help. It'll be about, you know, you walking this path. No, no, no. We want to be a people that never forget Jesus and what he's done for us. And I believe the overflow of that is our identity in him. Part of do this in remembrance of me is, yes, remembering what he has done for us, but remembering now who we are because of what he has done. And I think God is doing that, a restoring of that in the church. Not just bringing Jesus back to the center, not just bringing Jesus back to the first and foremost. There are so many fellowships that just don't do this very often. And I'm glad that people in, their, in home groups and other stuff also do it because we do this whenever we get together in remembrance of Him. We want to be a people that always remember Jesus and always remember what He's done for us and who we are in Him. Is there an amen to that? And the last thing that they devoted themselves to was prayer. The opposite of prayer is self-reliance. It comes back to self again. It's self-reliance. I don't need to pray because there's different aspects of prayer. I understand that. But prayer is, is, is part of a dependence upon God. He is my source. He is my bread. He is my breath. I need to hear what He has to say. I need to trust Him in all things. If we're not praying, we're actually self-reliant. I can work this out. I can get through this. It'll be okay. I've got it. That's why Scripture says pray continually. Pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Be a house of prayer. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Because we don't want to be a people that are self-reliant. We want to be dependent upon God with an expectation of what He's going to do. Is there an amen to that? The psalm that was given to us when we were praying a couple of years ago about a property that we believe is a kingdom center here in Bundaberg was Psalm 126. And the vision is too big for us. We can't do it. We can't make it happen. And you know what? That's the best way for it to be. Because we are not going to take up an offering for it. We're not going to try and get money out of people for it. We're going to trust God for it. Because it's God's heart. It's God's vision. But I love this verse in, in Psalm 126. It says, uh, verse 1, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who began to dream again. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we were joyful. That is the best thing. That is the best thing 
the best declaration that we can make, like Vivian's healing or someone else getting breakthrough. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. The Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things for us. That is the best declaration that we can make because we have prayed. We have trusted. We, we have depended upon the Lord. We have depended upon Him. And He answers. He breaks through. And we say, look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. Isn't that what we want to hear? People making that declaration, look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. Look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. I'm wrapping up. In Jude, from verse 17, it says, But dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you in the end time there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires, These people created divisions and are worldly not having the Spirit. Again, he's speaking to the the people of God. These people following fleshly, selfish desires, creating division. Wow. Not having the Spirit. There's a whole other message in there. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost... Keep yourselves in the love of God. This is what he's saying to us. Waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Having mercy on those who waver, saving others by snatching them from the fire. Having mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, Excuse me. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. In these days, he's saying, pray in the Holy Ghost. He's saying, keep yourselves in the love of God. He's saying, be expectant. Be expectant as you pray. Be expectant in these things. Be expectant for what God is going to do. Have mercy on those who are wavering. Don't criticize them or rebuke them. Have mercy on those who are wavering. Have mercy on them. Save others, snatching them from the fire. Go and snatch other people that are caught up in the fire. And we're not talking about the Holy Spirit fire here. Go and snatch them. Go and save them. And then God will do the rest. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory. That's where we finished last week, wasn't it? That his glory would be a canopy in Isaiah 4. The branch of the Lord will be glorious. And the glory of the Lord will be like a canopy over them. That is what I believe. I am convinced that this is not just a move of God, but this this is a holy habitation of God, and His glory will be a canopy. It is not just coming in and disappearing six months later, but it is His glory remaining with us. Amen? So let's be a people that hold fast. Amen? Stand on the Word of God. Be more intentional about connecting with each other, helping each other, fellowshipping with each other, inviting people over. You don't have to wait for a home group to invite people into your home. You can invite someone over for a meal. Spend time with each other, fellowship with each other. Keeping Jesus the front and centre, the first and foremost, and being a people of prayer. Amen.
Where's the music team? If you want to come up. I don't even know what we're going to sing yet. I guess what I'm saying through all that to just round it up is in the midst of what is happening around us, God is restoring his church. The Spirit of God is making a bride ready. That all the mixture, all the stuff, all the gunk, all that stuff is disappearing. We are becoming a people that are his people and live for him and him alone. Is there an amen? Can I encourage you to stand this morning? If you want to stand for Jesus, that is, I want to encourage you to stand this morning. Because we want to make that declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, we will worship the Lord. We will not bow, we will not bow down to false idols, but we will be His people, His sons and daughters, a men and women of God, kingdom people for such a time as this. Amen. God, I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters today. God, I want to thank you, Father, that they are making a stand, that we together are making a stand. Jesus, we want to stand for you. We want to live for you. Lord, that you would have your way in us and through us. God, continue, God, to make us one. Lord, continue to refine us, that we would stand upon your word. Get rid of anything of self, God. Self-independence, self-security, self-indulgence, lovers of self. Get rid of anything of self, God, that we can love the way that you love. We put Jesus back in the center in every way, in all things. We don't want to be a self-reliant people. We don't want to be a self-dependent people. We don't want to depend upon the things of this world. Lord, our dependence is upon you. Our trust is in you, God. We want to be your kingdom people. We are so thankful that we belong to the kingdom that can never be shaken. says in Ephesians chapter 6, after you've done everything else, just stand. Just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fire, they stood. We make a stand for Jesus, amen. We make a stand for Jesus, amen. We make a stand for Jesus, amen. 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 Oh. David said, oh, that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, that's good. We'll go with that one. <coughs> David said, I would have lost heart except for this. I am confident. There we go back to that word again. I am confident. I am convinced that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I am convinced in my spirit that I will see the goodness of God in this land of Australia. Is there an amen? The goodness of God. The goodness of God right here in Bundaberg. It's not where the newspapers are saying Bundaberg's going. It's not where the, the reporters are saying Bundaberg's going. It's where Jesus says Bundaberg is going. I am convinced that I will see the goodness of God here in this land. Amen. In the name of Jesus.